Good day to all of our investors and general listeners. This is the Rudd Commentary. My name is Josh Rudd, and I'll be your host on the show today. And with me, as usual, are Jack Herr from our investment team and Morgan Lindquist, mastering the controls and making Jack and I sound better than we probably should. For our new listeners who may not be familiar with who we are, at Steer Wealth, we manage investments for successful families, high-performing professionals, and organizations across the country and become your wealth manager, confidant, and personal CFO so you can relax and focus your time and energy on what's really important to you. Jack, speaking of high performers, we've had incredible guests on our show over the last year who have given us insights into their successes in entrepreneurship as well as their successful business sale after capitalizing on a lifetime of hard work. Well, today we're going to go in a different direction. We're going to look at maximizing and managing personal financial success for professionals in larger organizations. And we have a very special guest that I can't wait to introduce to our listeners today. This is going to be a real treat. Jack, why don't you take us into the trading room and give us an update on what's been going on over the last month? Yeah, Josh. Well, first off, I'm really excited for our guest today. I think she's going to give us some great insight, but I won't give up too much. So going into the trading room, the main focus in the market continues to be inflation for obvious reasons. We look at the consumer, we look at the investor, pretty aligned there, focused on inflation and increasing prices. But the real question is now becoming, are we going to go into a recession? Last quarter, GDP was negative. So for our investors who don't know, the official definition of a recession is two quarters of negative GDP in a row. So really just Q2, if we do see those negative numbers, we will officially be in a recession. Josh, just wanted to give our listeners an update on what we're looking at. Trends like consumer confidence is slowing, rates going up, both interest rates, mortgage rates. Yeah, the mortgage rates, that's been a, a real issue, hasn't it, for especially for young families looking at buying a home. You know, that cost to borrow that money has increased dramatically just over the last three months. I mean, what I think we're just below 6% now, aren't we? Yeah, exactly. And you pointed to it. I think it's the pace of which these rates are moving up that's surprising a lot of people, especially people who may have been refinancing or looking at buying a house just earlier this year. But the one thing I did want to bring up and remind our listeners is that the market is forward-looking, right? It tries to project about 6 to 12 months into the future what's going to happen. Of course, none of us can accurately do that most times, but the market is forward-looking. I just wanted to give an example to our clients from 2019 when we had a lot of uncertainty, COVID came through, we shut down our economy, and by the time we were really shut down, the market decreased so quickly but then bounced back so quickly as well. When our economy was bottoming out, the market was actually rallying. So for those of you who may be thinking, hey, the, the worst is yet to come in the economy, what's going to happen in the market? Just wanted to give a reminder to our clients that the market is forward-looking. It is taking in a lot of this information. So, Jack, I'm really glad you brought that concept up because I believe it's one that really frustrates investors, especially those that are trying to time the market to move in and out. And, and that's a strategy that's very difficult to be successful at. So I want to give our listeners just a quick example of, of how forward-looking the market is. So if you think about a long train, and I like to use this analogy because our economic engine really reminds me of the engine of a, of a train, Jack. And we're, we're running through the countryside and we're going through mountains up and down. And, and the challenge with investors is most of us are sitting on the caboose. And we're all the way at the back. And a lot of times the markets or the economy will make a turn or go over a hill. 
And the engine could be experiencing sunshine and growth and really in a nice flat level grade. And we're still quite a ways behind around a corner and we may be experiencing a lot of thunderstorms and rain and a pretty bleak future. But that economic train has already turned the corner. I'm not saying that's where we are now. You'd mentioned the recessions earlier. And I think it's very possible that we are actually already in a recession at this point. I think it's an important concept to remember. And I'm really glad that you brought it up, how forward looking the markets are. Just to sum it up, I think we do expect some volatility through the end of the year. We've talked about that a lot in the trading room, but we'll keep an eye on it and I'll keep updating our listeners here. Josh, the last thing I wanted to briefly mention here was everyone's favorite topic, crypto. So we've seen some major volatility in those markets as well. I know a lot of people over the last year that kind of use the words that it was a inflation hedge, that it was a store of value, but I just wanted to point out that it really is moving right with the market right now. It's pretty positively correlated. And if you want to hear more about our opinions on crypto, please go back to our episode 19 podcast about a year ago. We talk about that in greater detail, but really just wanted to give our listeners an update because I'm sure they're hearing a ton about it from their friends and the news and everyone else. Well, thanks for the update, Jack. Well, I'm very excited to introduce our special guest on the show today, Ms. Shirley Ross. Hi, Shirley. Well, good afternoon. I've had the pleasure of watching Shirley perform at a very high level over the last 20 years. Shirley's a top performer in commercial sales for Train, which is one of the largest, if not the largest, HVAC company in the world. For almost 30 years, Shirley's worked her way from a position as an administrative assistant to becoming a sales rock star here in North and Central Texas. And not only that, she's a pioneer for women in the HVAC industry and is often asked to mentor new female hires at Train. Shirley has also served on the board of a major trade association and done some volunteer work for Big Brothers and Big Sisters. And in addition to all this, Shirley also went back to school to get an applied sciences degree in viniculture and enology to learn about one of her passions, which is wine and the winemaking process. Shirley, I have no idea how you accomplish everything that you want to accomplish and have time for it all. But welcome. Welcome to our uh, show today. Thank you, Josh. I appreciate the opportunity. Well, before we get started and we hear about all your successes, can you give us just a little bit of background and tell us a little bit about your story and how you got where you are today? Well, truthfully, I was looking for a job. (laughs) I have a background in construction, so my folks um, do commercial road work. So it just kind of fell into place that I ended up in an industry that is construction-based. As an admin assistant in sales and marketing, I saw the inner workings of what was actually happening in factories. So I worked at the manufacturing site first. And then a um, sales manager from Fort Worth came down for a big meeting, and we got to talking. And he said, I want you to come to Fort Worth. And I said, why? And he said, because you're a salesperson. And I said, No, I'm not. (laughs) Don't say those (laughs) things. I'm not a salesperson. So through a lot of training, Dale Carnegie and going to UNT and things like that, a mentor was key to helping me get comfortable in my skin to accept what my calling really was, which was being a salesperson. Oh, that's incredible. So you weren't comfortable with that right out of the gate. Josh, who grows up saying I want to be a salesperson? (laughs) Well, you were, you've been, and I've, I've had the pleasure of watching your career over the last 20 years, and, and you've really developed into a top performer. So I'm interested to hear what challenges you faced early and at the beginning during that process. You said you had some mentorship, but surely there were some things that you encountered that were some stumbling blocks along the way. To my biggest hurdles in this male-dominated, highly technical world that I'm in is the fact that I'm a female, and I do not have a technical degree. I have a marketing degree. So uh, my biggest challenge was internal 
and that is conquering the teasing and the stereotyping that, you know, the fellows would just say, well, you just have to walk in and flash your smile. Well, it'll open the door, my smile will, but people just don't give you money, not in the commercial world, not in the industrial yeah. world. So I had to get past that and help my male counterparts see past the facade and see the fact that I was actually had a brain behind the smile. And then as I went into the world, I experienced very little of the resistance that I experienced internal to train. Most of the folks that I dealt with immediately felt at ease when we sat down and talked. I didn't revert to this highly technical world we lived in because the, the problems are technical, but how you solve them isn't necessarily technical. That was one of my strengths is my ability to solve problems and ask questions and then shut up and listen for the answers. What I do as a salesperson really is facilitating solutions. It sounds like you really knew your product and your service too. Before moving into the field, I spent three months with our service technicians. Yeah. So I was in overalls, brushing tubes and helping change compressors and running annual inspections on chillers and things like that. It was an opportunity extended to me that train clearly took a risk for. Three months of my training in the field was a lot of money to train. It's a lot of money to anybody. Did you find that your time as an administrative assistant helped? Yes, because I saw the other side of the salespeople role. While people begrudge salespeople a lot in my industry because there's a lot of freedom in what we do, there's a lot of fun if you choose the fun path in what we do. So there's entertainment. And a lot of folks on the what we call the fulfillment side, the internal side, sometimes resent that you get to go play golf with a client or you get to take them to a stars game or whatever. I always thought it was kind of cool. And I also recognized that's your job, Mr. Sales Guy. Good for you, you got that job. Now, maybe one day, with a little coaching, I'll get comfortable enough to be one of those and go do that myself. The truth is anybody can go get the job. Just go do what you got to do. Shirley, you talked about all the training you went through. Was yes. there a moment in time when you realized, I'm really good at this. I made the right choice. You know, I'm going through this training and I believe I'm outperforming others in my field. I think it was my first full year of selling and I won my first award. It's called an EBS Elite. And what it is is an award for exceeding the quota that is set for you. So there's various levels of that EBS Elite Award. And I've got a few of them stacked up in my bookshelf. But for me, when I feel like I've made it or when I realized I had made the right choice, it was because customers were telling me that I was doing well, that I was solving their problems, that I was helping them overcome some of their technical obstacles without being technical. Because most of the folks I deal with are business managers. They're not necessarily technical people either. So when a non-technical person shows up to have a, a business discussion about your HVAC, either servicing, replacing, they're more comfortable talking to me. It's, it's really that simple. The Red Commentary is brought to you by Steer Wolf. At Steer Wealth, our sophisticated team becomes your proactive wealth manager, your confidant, and personal CFO. So relax and focus your time and energy on what's important to you. Contact us today at info at steer.com. That's info at S-T-Y-R-E Getting that positive feedback, mm -hmm. I can really empathize with you there because when you're going out and 
you're blazing new trails and, and prospecting for new business. It's a very lonely environment when you're out there and you get so many no's before you get a yes. And I think it's very discouraging. And part of the reason that uh, successful salespeople are some of the highest paid professionals in the world, definitely among our clients as well. How did that change you when you realized, like Jack said, that that you were outperforming your peers? Did it change your level of effort? Did it incentivize you to want to do better? Tell me a little bit about that. No, it did not change my level of effort. As a matter of fact, it helped me to feel bold and brave to keep doing what I was doing. And yes, you get a lot of no's, but I always giggled to myself as I walked away from those no's saying, bless their hearts, they just didn't know they need to do business with me. <laughs> and that's how I overcame all the no's, because it can be discouraging. Well, it sounds like it can be pretty motivating to start getting some yeses. Yes, from people. right off the chart. Yeah. yeah. So, Cheryl, I'm curious in retrospect, are there some things you can point out that you attribute your success to? Absolutely. It was really people who helped me the most. It was mentors. It was my first real job, which was for a local architect. I went to work for him answering phones as a receptionist and one day just said, you know, you're more than that. You can do more than that. And I see that. So then I was running around with a field architect pulling punch lists at every big job in town. Will Rogers was one of them here locally. That was my first aha uh-huh, that there was a world outside of what I thought I should be doing. I'm very detail oriented and that has helped me in a sales role because I have that administrative background. I'm really good with the paperwork, which most salespeople aren't, right? Most people don't want to deal with all that stuff. So he helped me to start putting into focus that my future was more than what I thought it would be. So move over to train and um, had several wonderful mentors along the way. One who helped me get comfortable in my skin with who I was. The next who helped me really develop my sales skills from just admitting that it's going to be ugly out there, Shirley, but keep doing it. You're going to do well. He's also the person that helped me understand sales jobs are really difficult. So have fun. So we had fun. I had a couple of teammates along the way. We had a lot of fun while we're out selling. And then my last mentor, he helped just polish me up a little bit. It was a little country, uh, even though I've educated myself twice while working full time. (laughs) But he helped polish me up a little bit. And and we always had the joke that nobody at an industry function was allowed to sit next to me unless they had a purchase order. So (laughs) that's kind of how we made things fun. Um, So the mentorship, I think, is very important. And then on the flip side of that is starting to mentor other people. Once you've received all that goodness, then you want to share it. And um, kind of surprised how many people want that, want to want to know what I think about this scenario or how do I overcome this objection? And you kind of start to feel kind of like, wow, good's been done for me. Now I get to do good for somebody else. If we fast forward to where you are now and the success level that you've reached, mm-hmm. I'm interested to know as you look back, what are some of the things that you weren't prepared for with your level of success? So I was unprepared in a good way for what I'd be paying in taxes. That, that was certainly, I know I called you the first time. I thought I made a big W-2 and I said, oh my gosh, look at my taxes that I'm paying. And it still is, it's an even bigger concern these days. So wasn't prepared for that. I wasn't prepared for some conditional friendships along the way because people start to look at you differently and they do. Doesn't always feel good, but for the most part, if you've done a good job of choosing your circle, 
most of those people are going to remain in that circle. I'm interested in the, you were talking about people sizing you up. Did you have any other professionals that treated you different within your own company when you started to reach those really high levels of success? I'm just curious how you, uh, how you worked that or if you even saw that. I did. So people know sales or view sales as a cutthroat industry, especially if you're 100% commission. But what I did experience on a very large count that I had been the account manager for 16 years, management decided that there needed to be an executive level type person. Okay, well, if I had feelings that might hurt that they're not looking at me as an executive level top person. So they introduced somebody into the account and I did my best to work with him. But, you know, I felt it from the moment I sat down to talk to him. And then within a year, I was fired from the account. Oh, wow. I don't feel like that was all the customer's decision. It was definitely not a feel-good moment since I'd been the account manager for this this site for 16 years, but I walked away from that experience with my mouth shut intentionally because I could have gone off as the brown girl at train and this person came in and undermined me and I've been doing my job, but I didn't want to do that. I just felt like that was going to allow me more time to focus on other clients, and that's what I did. And I went on to sell two of the largest projects that I've ever done and that our that train has done turnkey. Sometimes when those things happen, if you choose the right response, good things are still going to happen. It didn't mean I was a bad account manager. Stuff happens, right, every day. But it sure did allow me to focus on some other folks who needed my attention at the right time. I can see why you're so successful. You're very positive in your outlook and you've got clear objectives, uh, which is just wonderful to hear, and I think a testament to your success in sales. I'm just curious. I, I hear a lot of clients that are really surprised by the level of taxes they pay when they start making very large amounts. In your case, you know, commission checks are large amounts of money yes. annually. Was that something that surprised you, or did you prepare for it? Or how, how did that work when you started getting those big tax bills? I called you. <laughs> I said, what do I do? What do I do here, Josh? Uh, it hurts. It hurts to be so successful, yet pay all the taxes, right? Yeah. So it's it's kind of one of those double-edged sword. Wouldn't want it any other way, but you know, you got to just embrace the inevitable. Going to pay a lot of taxes. So, um, well, it means you're doing well. It does. So sometimes I feel like I'm supporting a small city next to me. But <laughs> the other thing is I wasn't prepared for taxes, but what I was prepared for was the fact that one of my mentors along the way said, dream big, Shirley. So while I'm accumulating this wealth, I did dream big. I wanted my own little place. I wanted to be almost debt free. I wanted this. I wanted that. I wanted to run cattle. I wanted to, at one point, was going to plant a vineyard on my place. And, you know, all these things that I was prepared for because being connected to you, Josh, you helped me to see that money is just a tool doesn't mean you spend every dollar you get. I actually turned it into a game. I think I once told you, now I'm trying to see how much I can save. <laughs> it, was, it became a game, and I wasn't prepared to think like that. That's certainly a new way of thinking. So really, Shirley, I'll just ask you real directly, is it, how lonely is it at the top where, where you are? Well, for a woman who has achieved the level of success that I have, 
it can be challenging and it can be difficult. Uh, and personally speaking, one of my biggest struggles is finding a fella who's comfortable with me. Yeah. Having the big W-2 and the big career and the spotlight a lot of times being on me, that positions men to be a little bit insecure. But the good news is I finally found one two years you know, ago. He not only accepts uh, my success, but he celebrates it. And he brags about me. Congratulations. And that is, that's a challenge. It's probably one of the biggest challenges for a woman, first of all, in a male-dominated industry, and then a single woman at that. Shirley, what are some of the benefits of working with an investment advisor? I never worry about my money. I think maybe once or twice I've called Josh over the years and said, oh my God. But then you've started putting out the emails, the, the weekly, bi-weekly, monthly emails that speak to the market what it's doing, which, you know what I know? HVAC, wine, and a little bit about cows. So I trust you, Josh, to know about money. So when you're sending out your emails, I think you sent one out this week that said last week, the market rallied. I said, all right. So I don't need to panic. And being connected to you allows me to to feel at ease with what's going on in the world so that I can focus on what I do, which is sell air conditioning and all that other stuff I I like to do on the side. The truth is I strive to keep my life simple. There's nothing extravagant about me. I don't do extravagant vacations. I'm actually trying to build my place as my vacation spot so that I don't want to leave. And I typically don't want to leave. If I want to go fishing or swimming or hunting or go play with my cows or whatever, I'm creating my simple vacation world. So Shirley, you you talked about just how simple you've made things. And really what I'm seeing is just a low stress environment for you moving forward. So once you hired an advisor, what are some specific things that improved, not just now, but as you tried to build your book of business and, and become more successful? How did, how did that free up your time? I don't know that it freed up my time because I never spent a lot of time worrying about my money. I just thought the only thing I needed to do was put money in my 401k. Well, since connecting with you, I've realized that's limited thinking. That's not dreaming big. That's limiting myself if that's all I'm going to do. And back to a statement I made a little bit ago, sometimes I get in these groups where I make saving money a game. At what age can I dial it down and part-time work and semi-retire, but still live comfortably knowing that my W-2 is going to be cut dramatically when I move into a different world. I like your response as always. Let me worry about that, Shirley. You do what you want to do. When I called you and said, can I spend $70,000 on a tractor? You said, Shirley, you do what you need to do. My job is to make sure you have the money and the resources to do what you need to do. For me, that's just peace of mind. And, and that's really what I need more than anything. It frees space in my head right? Because I got peace of mind when that space can be filled dreaming big and solving problems and and having fun. Well, thank you very much, Shirley. It's been just a great show and I just wonderful advice and and I think very motivating advice for some of our younger listeners who are at the beginning of their professional career and they're looking to reach that that next level and and become a high performer. And that's what I want to ask you about in closing is do you have any advice for professionals, not only in your industry, but other industries who may be encountering challenges or who want to reach the level of success that you have? Two things. Dream big. Do not put limits on yourself. 
dreaming big and not limiting yourself. The other thing is finding mentors, finding people who genuinely care about you. And what I've found is mentors have approached me. Can I help you? And that's an amazing feeling. They see something in me that I didn't even see in myself. And now I see people and I walk up to them and say, can I help you do that now? And I think that's the full circle that we're trying to get to is find a mentor or if you're fortunate enough, let somebody help you. Put down your ego, put down your pride and let somebody help you. Because you might be surprised what you can achieve when you let somebody help you. Well, thank you very much, Shirley. And I know I can speak for Jack and Morgan and all of us here. We're very glad we had you in today. And the value that you presented on our show, I'm sure it's speaking to most of our listeners. Thank you very much for joining us. You're welcome, Josh. It's been my pleasure. And thank you to all of our listeners for taking the time to listen today. As always, if you enjoyed this show, please subscribe to the Rudd Commentary on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or your preferred podcast platform and never miss an episode. Also, if you know other investors that would enjoy this show, please share the Rudd Commentary podcast through email or on social media. We also love feedback on our program, and we'd like to hear your ideas for future topics. If you have the time, we'd enjoy hearing from you. All of us here at Steer Wealth would like to thank you, our investors and clients, for your trust. Thank you for allowing us to be part of your long-term financial journey. We take this role very seriously. Thank you very much for listening today. This is the Rudd Commentary. I'm your host, Josh Rudd. And from all of us here at Steer Wealth, invest long and prosper. This commentary is distributed for informational purposes only and is not intended to constitute legal, tax, accounting, or investment advice. Nothing herein constitutes any offer to sell or solicitation of any offer to buy any security. All investment strategies and investments involve risk of loss, including the possible loss of principal invested, and nothing herein should be construed as a guarantee of any specific outcome or profit. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Any opinions expressed by employees of the Rudd Company are the Rudd Company's opinions and do not reflect the opinions of any affiliates. The opinions expressed by guest speakers are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Rudd Company or any affiliates. Guest appearances on this program does not imply the Rudd Company's endorsement of any entity, person, product, service, or investment. All opinions are current and only as of the date of recording and are subject to change without notice.